what encompasses good mental health in sports coaching? Let's find out. Hello, my name's Stu. Hello, and my name is Chris. I'm an ex-professional tennis coach and... Still keeps his finger in. That's right. And my name is Chris. Uh, I am a physiotherapist during the day and at weekends and in the evening, I'm usually coaching my kids cricket or rugby. So Chris, what do we consider when we're looking at good mental health within sports coaching? Well, Stewie, this is a plethora of a question. From a personal point of view, it is looking after yourself as a coach and all the pressures that it entails. So it's not just looking from my point of view, looking after the, the kids who are playing sport and the, 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 the players, the kids I'm coaching, making sure that you're you know, following that safety of the game, you know, maybe trying to win. So you've got the pressures of competition, but also everything around it. It's the players, the parents, the people involved in the clubs, the other coaches. And this can sometimes really truly gets on top of you. You might have WhatsApps flying at you at 10 o'clock at night from a from a parent concerned that their player might not be starting that weekend or might not be opening the batting. You might have this, you know, might follow on all the way through to 11.30 at night. And this, you're not getting paid for it. No. And you've got your partners kind of looking looking at me thinking, why on earth am I am I writing these texts at almost midnight? Well, and, and this is the way people communicate now. I mean, are there ways to sort of implement boundaries so that you're, I mean, once you've stuck yourself on that social media sort of group, you know, you're, you're readily active all the time, aren't you? I mean, if you're, if you're just sort of looking after one sports person, that's different. But if you're, if you've got a group of, you know, I run a casual sports group on a, on a Sunday, which involves 70 participants. So imagine if I got involved in a WhatsApp group with all them, I'd have no time to do anything else. Yeah. So I think, you know, depending on your situation, whether it's one or a group, you know, you, you, you have to have defined boundaries to, to, to allow yourself time to get away from it, not, uh, not feel drawn in all the time. You've nailed that. So being defined with your role, almost having the set times to answer those WhatsApp questions. Um, sometimes I will put my WhatsApp on or my, my text messages on silent or airplane mode, just so I'm not getting those phone calls at you know, 10 o'clock at night from from a parent concerned that, you know, their, 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 their child's not starting the game or... So, so having that defined role and mm. being aware of, of your limitations, you know, we are for, well, for me anyway, I'm, I'm an amateur coach in a grassroots area. So I'm not, you know, the, 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 you know, I'm not the Sir Alec Ferguson of, 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 of coaches. You know, I'm mm. just, I am a dad. I enjoy my sport. I, I love coaching my kids and I do love coaching the, the concept of coaching, but but I'm not getting paid for it. No. And I guess you're, I guess in a way, maybe your, your role can be less defined so, Stewie, as a professional tennis coach, what does good mental health look like personally with you? Yeah, it's an excellent question. I mean, firstly, you're contracted to a certain set number of hours yeah. per week. So let's say you're looking after an individual. Um, outside of that, you have to have a, a, an excellent work-life balance. Yeah. You have to make sure that you take time away, like we mentioned about social media earlier. And yeah, I mean, you need to stay healthy, eat well, sleep well, because obviously you need to be positive around the people that you're engaging with and coaching and helping to improve and become consistent. Yeah. So you, you need that energy and positivity every day. Oh, absolutely. So you can fake it, but that's only going to get you so far. And then, you know, you've had it. I mean, we all have to fake it, don't we, at some point. But if it's natural and you're, you're enthusiastic and you're wanting the best from who you're around, then 
you know, everything's going to work and congeal really nicely and you're going to get the best out of everyone in the team. Tell me when it didn't work mental health wise for you now when have, you were, when you're coaching. Have there been any? Yes, there have been many. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, there was someone who just couldn't sort of break away from it at the end of the day. They were constantly in contact. Oh, and, yeah. So you've gone home. Yeah. I mean, it's not just the coach who needs the work-life balance. It, it's the players themselves. Yeah. So, you know, they, they, I mean, they sort of need a hobby outside of yeah. tennis or whatever yeah. they're playing. So just you, to get their mind somewhere You've done else. their session, you've mm. gone home and were they on the phone to you? Constantly. Oh, and this is, could be, what time would you reckon this could be? Oh, it could be 12, one in the morning. Oh my word. So how, how that must've really affected you. How did it affect you? Well, it did. I mean, I'm quite, I'm quite stern at times. So um, I'm not saying we fell out over it, but you know, you have to put certain measures into place. Yeah. Otherwise it's going to take its toll. And I mean, I think if you're quite sensitive to the balance oh, yeah. between people, then you can pick up on things early before they've sort yeah. of progressed and manifested into something, yeah. you know, that's sort of uncontrollable and where you sort of need to part ways. So, yeah, I mean, just defining boundaries, like like I said earlier about um, having a cutoff time, you know, you can say, look, it's fine contacting me up to sort of 8pm. Yeah. You know, we'll both have had dinner sort of seven, that's fine. And then, you know, my time is my time. Your time is your time. Find something to do to break away from. Yeah. I mean, what we have to remember is in all sports, you can be improving while you're not, physically playing them yeah, and practicing absolutely. them. Absolutely. I mean, muscle memory can improve while you're not even doing the activity, which sounds peculiar. And you're really kind of, kind of picking up on something there, talking about switching off. So the difference between our coaching is that for me, I'm doing it for the love, the love of it and for well, the kids. Well, that's it. The level, I mean, the level you're doing it at, the, these are sort of unrealistic expectations sounds like from the parents as well. Yeah. I mean, you find this intent when you think you sort of need to be top 50 in the world to make a decent living from oh, tennis. Yeah. Yeah. So top 50. Yeah. So nearly everybody is not going to make it. And yet when you see someone pushing their kid, you know, day in, day out through their teens at the tennis club and that, and you can see that, you know, that you need to give them a work-life balance, like we were saying, because they're not going to be doing that for a living. And then what have they missed out on? There's a sort of a murky sort of a... There's a boundary, isn't there? But it's a shade of grey boundary. That balance of uh, what we're there to do and what the players should be doing when they're away from us or yeah. what their parents should be doing with them. It's a tricky one because I think when they drop them off with us, <clears throat> they're giving us certain responsibilities that aren't really our responsibilities. And that can increase a pressure of a coach. You exactly. know, you're there to prove someone's technical game and ultimately to get them to win. Well, because obviously, yeah, people's behaviour can affect their performance. Yeah. So are we there to teach them how to behave? Not really. We're, we're there to help them focus on the game and be the best player they can. But there's, there's work away from the court that we're not going to be involved in that is also going to help them improve what they do off the court, on the court, on the pitch off the pitch, their home life, heavily affected by their parents. This all affects the well-being of both the players and the coaches. So Chris, you've worked in uh, Premier League football at a very high level with players. What what does a healthy elite football player look like? That's a great question. It's really, really hard to define though. If I put it the, the opposite, if I flip that question, what does bad mental health 
look like on a player. I have worked with players who've had to self-refer into the Tony Adams Addiction Clinic, mm. which was a really tough time for them. Is that alcohol addiction? Uh, there, there was, I'm going to just say, there was, they, they, they were addicted to a number of different things. Oh. And they were incredibly stressed. Um, and you could just see as the weeks were progressing up to their self-referral into the clinic, mm. it was getting harder and harder. That you could see they their body language was was really different to the normal. You know, uh, physically they they would just look really drained. They were playing high level, you know, championship football, but they were really struggling with with everything around the changing room on the training field. They just looked exhausted and little things we could pick up on. So. And then you'd have the chats with them as well. And it would be different than normal, you know, before, you know, they'd be really chirpy and really, you know, happy and, you know, really excited just to be playing football for their living. Please subscribe to our podcast so you know when the next episode's on and tell your friends. Do you think uh, the salaries of these athletes affects their mental health? Well, it's a lot. It comes down to pressure, doesn't it? So, and I see pressure from an elite athlete who uh, who's earning you know, ten thousand pounds a week mm. when I was working in football, which is a vast amounts of money compared to what I was on. Mm. But what is nine thousand? Oh, I'm just a simple physiotherapist, Stewie. <laughs> but I can I can I can I can see how pressure at a grassroots game at the under eights that I have players at an under eights level have enormous amounts of pressure put on by their parents. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is a good point. I mean, I see this in, you know, other working environments. Let's say there's a tennis player playing, you know, in a ATP final or, you know, somebody takes their tennis very seriously on a leisure basis playing in their club final. Yeah. Do they feel the pressure the same? Is it, you know, is it a similar experience for the two of them? Yeah. And how do they handle that pressure? And that's that's a that's a million dollar question, isn't it? Mm. And how do you handle the pressure in competition? So there's a really famous saying, isn't there, in sports? If you, if you uh, yeah, can you remember it? <laughs> uh, focus on the controllables. Don't worry about the things you can't control. And as a coach, as an athlete, as a football player, rugby player, cricketer, tennis player, parent. That's the most important thing. I mm. think good mental health is focusing on the things you can control. Yeah. So I can control my kids making sure their rugby boots are in their bag, their gum shields are there, they've got uh, a change of clothes afterwards, they've got a water bottle, maybe you know a packet of, packet of sweets for half time. That's the things I can control. Mm. I can't, however, control the weather. I can't control what the referee's going to be like. I can't control, in theory... I can't control what the pe- the parents are going to be saying to the players, mm. but let's focus on the things I can control. I so my preparation with my teams. I'd always say, just make sure you first of all go away and j- enjoy yourself, work as a team, enjoy what you're doing, and it will come together. That was excellent advice. I think for any sport, I think for any activity in life, that's excellent advice. You know, home life, work life, just focus on what you can control and and don't don't lose sleep over the bits you can't. Yeah. So as a coach, I loved how you said you had the boundaries in terms of when you're contactable mm. and you can control that. You could be, have the honest conversation with the players or the parents say, this is the time I could be, I could be phoned up and I really want to be, t- you know, we want that two way conversation, mm. but actually after eight thirty at night, my time is my time. 
again, you can control that. You can control as a coach what you're going to eat and you can give, educate your, your players on, on you know, what to eat so they're not just having mm-hmm. junk food all the time. I always feel it, it's good to, to lead by example. So if your players see that you're living healthy and looking after yourself physically and mentally, uh, I always feel that adds a little bit more than somebody who isn't quite uh, looking after themselves as effectively as what they're trying to preach yeah, to those that they're looking after. I love that. That's mm. really good. So it was a difficult topic today, but we've come away with that really good statement, control and worry about the things that you can control. Mm. But don't worry about the things you can't control. Absolutely. That's a great session today. I really enjoyed it, Chris. Thank you so much. What are we doing next? Next podcast, we're going to look at how and when we spot talent in a sports environment. Fantastic. Looking forward to it.